What is up, everybody? This is Brayden from Flint Mastering, and I am the host and content curator of the Mixing Music Podcast exclusive episodes. And today we have for you an exclusive archive, which means you're going to hear an exclusive episode that DK and I recorded almost a year ago. You're going to have the chance to hear what our exclusive episodes are all about and how much fun and learning goes on between me and DK as we discuss technical tips and important techniques in relation to producing mixing and mastering. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to be a part of the exclusive content we provide twice a week, you can do so by heading over to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this podcast without you. I hope you enjoy this episode of the exclusive archives. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Welcome back to another exclusive subscriber-only episode of the Mixing Music Podcast. First and foremost, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love our subscribers. We appreciate you. We couldn't do this without you, and we'd, uh, we'd give you all a huge hug if you were here with us in person. And I'm your host for today, Raiden from Flint Mastering, and joining me is our fearless overlord, Daddy DK. You said fearless. I like that. <laughs> fearless. Uh, I wish I was more fearless, and and maybe a part of me is. I'm I'm trying to figure that. Out. I wish to become more fearless. That's a, that's a good <laughs> attribute to have. Imagine being known for being fearless. That's like, that's like the sauce to greatness. I mean, I feel like you're pretty fearless. Thank what you. I saw in L.A. I, you just go you just go talk to anybody, walk around, just do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. I don't know if that's fearless or just like <laughs> blissful or stupid or something, but like. <laughs> Sure, fearless. Yeah, let's let's just yeah. use the better word that makes me sound better. <laughs> I forgot the other adjective you used, so I threw fearless in there. So let's do it. Let's do it. But but today, today cool. uh, we're what are we doing? We're we're doing something different. We're not using a clip. Yes. We're no clip. We're doing a listener question. Sometimes we answer listener questions with clips, but this one we're actually just answering them straight up. Uh, the question today is from. Okay, baby on Instagram, he DM me. Hey, I hopped on the exclusive member podcast because I ain't no bitch. I, I, <laughs> that's what it literally says. It literally says that. Uh, so I think that that means none of y'all are bitches. Uh, thanks for joining. <laughs> I, I love that intro. Uh, that's how every DM should go on. And he says, but I was wondering if you could do an episode on compressors as far as pumping and attacks and release times. When I use a compressor, I mainly just feel when I adjust the knobs, but technically I don't know what I'm doing, lol. And I feel like pumping could help uh, my game or certain things, but I'm not sure how to achieve it. That's a great question. I don't think we've done, we've done many episodes and many different content, pieces of content on compressors, but I don't think we've done too much about specifically the attack and release times, which is... um. Very important, very interesting. So let's talk about that. And I think that you're able to talk about that from a mastering standpoint, and I'm able to talk a little bit about that as well, but um, I'll talk Absolutely. about specifically from a mixing standpoint on different sources as well. So attack and releases from different sources. So do you, do you have, should I just start answering, or do you want to like introduce yeah, it no. in a different way? Go, go right ahead. That's perfect. And 
you know, maybe like it looks like he's kind of wondering how you get like a pumping sound out of a compressor tube. So we could address that so, because so that's I, all in relation to attack and release. So I, I'm going to talk about how to avoid the pumping sound or perfect or how it, how attack and release works and then how that can lead to avoid it. Because sometimes we want to avoid it at all costs. Other times we like that sound. Um, and uh, But most of the time I would say that most people send me mixes where the pumping is not on purpose. Um, so first off, I want to be very, very clear. How to hear compressors. You got to remember that compressors are uh, a dynamic um, a dynamic processor. They change the amplitude of a signal. So they're not meant to change. In a perfect world, if, if compressors were totally clean, they're not meant to change the top end or the bottom end, the mid end range. They're not supposed to change the tonal balance of a track. But they do because they're imperfect and they're not super duper clean. Um, but they're really just meant to be volume control. So when I listen to a song on the radio, I don't have to turn down the volume during the courses and turn it up during the bridge because it's hard to hear what he's saying. It's, it's meant to kind of like normalize the, uh, the, the amplitude of the signal. Anyway, so this is really important to understand. Uh, back in the day to... Before compressors were invented, there was a dude who was at the mixing board whose job was to anticipate the singer when they were going to get to a loud part. He had to turn down the microphone, turn down this fader, and when he gets to the soft part, he turns up the fader, and that was his job. And when compressors were invented, that guy was fired. Um, <laughs> poor dude. Uh, and uh, that's kind of the point of it. I want you all to think about a compressor is basically a dude moving a fader and anticipating when things get loud and soft or reacting. It's more reactive, right? So when a compressor passes this threshold and it gets too loud, he's the, the fake. The compressor is turning down the the fader. But of course, um, the way that it's uh, cutting the signal and 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 um, compressing the tone is actually going through components. So it's actually changing. It's distorting a little bit. It's changing the actual sounds of the signal. That's why some compressors have like really nice mid range and may feel very airy or feel warm. It's because it's going through components. Um, and resistors, which do that. They change the sound just a touch. So anyway, um, let's go into attack time. Attack time, just basic stuff, is um, actually, contrary to popular belief, it's not how quickly the compressor starts working. Actually, every single compressor starts as soon as the volume passes the threshold, as soon as the signal passes the threshold. It starts at zero. Um, the attack time is not a delay of when it starts. It's actually how quickly it ramps up to the desired gain reduction. For example, if, if you're at a 2 to 1 ratio, that means for every 2 dBs it goes over the threshold, only 1 dB passes through. So if I have 10 dBs past the threshold for an instant, for a moment, let's just say for the sake of this, it's a, it's a sine wave and it's just constant 10 dBs past the threshold. As soon as it starts, um, it's supposed to be, 10 dBs is supposed to be minus 5 dBs of gain reduction, right? Because it's 2 to 1 signal. Uh, 10 dBs past the threshold. So anyway, so once we do that, the attack time, they, every single one starts at zero. Every single compressor starts at zero. Attack time indicates how quickly or how many milliseconds or microseconds or whatever seconds, how many, whatever the time, whatever the constraints are, um, how long it takes for it to ramp up to minus five dBs of gain reduction. So if it's at a 30 second, 30 millisecond attack time, it's going to take 30 seconds, 30 milliseconds for it to ramp up to hit minus five dBs of gain reduction. That's the one misconception. Every single compressor does start at zero on, uh, and whatever. Um, we're not even going to talk about, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, 
not overclocking. I've been watching way too many Linus Tech Tips. Um, not oversampling either, but uh, Look Ahead? Is it called Look Ahead? Oh, I'm not even going to talk about okay. Look Ahead, which is kind of like anticipating. Um, but anyway, that's something to think about. So the slower the attack, the more transient it's going to let through. So for example, with a snare, if you have a snare, pa, pa, and you want to... Uh, because it's a live snare and every single snare hit, this one's this loud, this one's this loud, not as loud. So you want each snare hit to be a little bit more consistent. We put a compressor on it. Now, if we have a very, very fast attack time, it's going to squish the snap out of the snare. It's literally going to squish the snap out of the snare. That initial transient is going to be gone. It might even distort the signal because it's really hard to do very, very fast attack time um, without distorting the signal. It's just really difficult to do with components and and... And oftentimes these virtual compressors are emulating it. Even virtually, it's difficult to do. So it's just physic, like uh, acoustically or what's the word? Um, physics. Yeah, physically difficult to do. Anyway, uh, so what we do is if we do a super fast time, you're not going to get that transient to come through. This is really, really great like in the mastering phase or if you want to like, it's almost like clipping. You're just cutting off the transient. But I will say that you're losing the sound of the transient. But it is still practical. So like all limiters have a very, very fast attack time um, because the brick wall limit, you want nothing to pass through. So it's like a, a very fast, immediate attack time. All right, so uh, that's important. Um, and then you have the release time, or so. So if you do have a sorry, if you have a slow attack time, you're gonna have a little bit more transient come through. So mess with this. Put on a snare track and do like do a lot of compression, like minus 10 dBs or more of gain reduction, and mess with the attack time with the snare. You're gonna hear it go like like really smash, to like and really fast transient signals. That's really hard to do with my mouth. Uh, but like you kind of get the idea. You're going to hear how much of that initial transient is left in. Uh, so if you leave the initial transient less in, remember, you, that's not really, that's why some people say that compressors with slow attacks make the signal more punchy. Reality is compressors do not make anything more punchy. They th make things more, uh, more flat and sterile um, as far as dynamics go. But uh, that being said, you are a lot more in control, and that's kind of where the idea of punchiness comes from because you get you're lowering the signal after the immediate transient, so you're that you're emphasizing that transient. Um, so in a mastering phrase, that doesn't actually give you more headroom. That actually might be the bane of your headroom, is is leaving those transients in. So it's hard to balance that. Okay, so but as far as like release is where the pumping comes in. Release is how quickly it goes back down. Once it goes below the threshold, how how quickly does the signal let go of the gain reduction and the gain reduction actually release back to zero? Because it's not just like hit it and it immediately goes back. So if it's like a very, very fast release time, especially like with limiters, for example, every time that there's a poke that goes past the threshold, it immediately brings the volume back down. So it's like very fast compression movements. Uh, the faster it is, typically, the less pumping that you're going to hear. Very slow compression, very slow release times is still very useful because um, uh, it's very useful for macro dynamics we've talked about in the past where, like, your verse section is quieter than your chorus section. So you put in your mix bus, you do a very slow release compressor. So it doesn't actually... Uh, so it actually glues the sections together rather than the kick and the snare independently. So it's kind of like... It's really cool. It's smoother. And some songs, like too fast of a release time, um, causes some artifacts, distortion, maybe even some pumping. Uh, and sometimes the slower you go, the smoother it is. Um, so you, you really got to balance. They react differently for different sources. Uh, the slower it is, for example, if you hyper-compress a drum bus with hi-hats and everything, if the release is too fast, then every snare hit 
the hi-hats are going to come back really, really loud too because it's immediately going to let boost the signal again, right? And and while the hi-hats are still... So it's it's really annoying. So if you want less hi-hats in your mix, in your drum bus, slow the release time down. That's one practical application. Um, with uh, So a lot of time these mixers will actually set the release time musically to kind of the tempo of the song. They don't actually, like, most people do not actually measure out the specific milliseconds is within the micro beats of the song or whatever, but um, it, it's important to set your release times to be the most musical. And the s- slower the release time, the longer it's going to take for that to come back down, but smoother it can be, the faster the release time, the more artifacts you're going to have, the more sustain you're going to get. Uh, so that's just something to think about. Uh, sorry, I'm done. I just went on a rant. What do you think? No, that's great. I um, <clears throat> so coming from well, here's the first thing I want to say is if you want a really bad, well, it actually kind of sounds like it was on purpose. If you want to hear actual pumping of a compressor in a song, listen to the song. Oh, where did it go? Okay, it's on a roll, the Dallas K remix by Ashley O and Dallas K. Okay, Ashley O is actually Miley Cyrus. (laughs) It's like a different alias that she has or something. But yeah, on a roll, Dallas K remix. That's such a random alias. Ashley O. I think think she was on some TV show and that was her, uh, oh, she was on like Broken Mirror or whatever that show was. I don't know, but that was her alias. So she used it for an artist thing. But you can literally hear her voice when she does these like, held out notes her voice turns down it just like totally ducks and then it comes back up and like i've in a professionally made song i've never heard like serious pumping and in this song it is like so apparent like her voice you can just hear it's like somebody just turned her voice down and turns it back up it's really wild um so there's an example of that in terms of uh compression for mass in a mastering setting from my perspective, I actually prefer not to compress hardly ever. Uh, I try really hard not to compress the master. I just feel like for my own personal taste, I I will always at least try a compressor on whatever song I'm mastering. And then I'll turn, I'll make sure to get the, um, the gain matching correct so it's not making the signal louder or not. And that's one thing I would suggest when you're testing a compressor, make sure you turn the output down so that it's not make it's not doing some like gain compensation to turn it back up for the gain reduction it's doing. That way you can actually hear what the sound sounds like compressed versus your old sound and not just louder and compressed versus your old sound. So anyway, I just whenever I put compressor plugins on and I bypass back and forth, I just don't really find I like the sound of it. I prefer songs to be a little more open and breathing and bright. And I just feel like every time I use a compressor, it clamps down on that and kind of rains on my parade, for lack of a better term. That being said, compression is super popular with mastering engineers. And actually, so a couple weeks ago, I went to Nashville and I met with Nathan Dantzler, of the hit lab. He has two Grammy awards. He did love me like you do by Ellie Golding. He did slow hands. Um, just done some massive records. He mastered like a Kelsey Ballerini album right in front of me. It was insane. I couldn't believe it. Uh, but he also said, he was like, I don't want to use any compression in mastering. He's like, I try not to do it as much as possible. So with all that said, when I do use compressors, I typically 
uh, I'm using them for one of two things. One is to control peaks that are really popping out. So sometimes I get songs where the snare drum is really pokey or the kick drum is really pokey. And so I'll adjust the settings on the compressor to where it's only reacting to the transient hits. It's not compressing anything else. And if it is, it's barely doing anything. And I'll use the delta feature that's on compressors a lot to make sure I'm I'm only compressing, I'm hearing uh, what it's compressing and I'm just doing the peaks and the transients. So I'll do that. And that's basically just to give myself more headroom so I don't have to do as much clipping. So I can do a little bit more compression, push the peaks down. And then that way, once I get to the clipping stage, I'm not totally just lopping off the top of the transients like I might be otherwise. The second reason I would use a compressor is purely just tone and glue, just to kind of pull the song together a little bit better. And so far, the only compressor I've really found that I like doing that is the Manly Verimu. And my settings on that, pretty slow attack, uh, just kind of let everything through for the most part because I'm going to use a clipper or um, limiter to catch the rest of it later on. Uh, and then it kind of depends on the song. Sometimes I'll do a really fast release because I just want it to let go. I don't want it to do a whole lot. But most of the time, it's kind of a medium to slowish release just so that the track is smooth. And again, you don't get that pumping uh, like, you know, like DK said, if the release is too fast, then that's what can cause the pumping if the attack and release ratio, like the well, attack if, if to release ratio. If it's super duper fast, it's, if it's faster, fast enough that it won't be noticed, then then it won't cause pump. It, there will be pump, but you won't, it won't be really audible. But if it's like yeah. fast, but slow enough that you can hear it return back to its original state, that's when you get the pumping. Yes, exactly. And like, so, uh, especially with like a full two track, sometimes... It's it can be a little bit more difficult to hear pumping because the whole song's going on the whole time. I, I will but, say that there's a lot of compressors like 1176 is famous for doing this. I used to do this a lot for 808s and distorting 808s when I had outboard 1176. If you do the fastest attack and fastest release, that's how you distort compressors. So you can use that as a distortion box. And uh, then the attack knob becomes the attack knob then becomes like how much distortion you want. So if you go slower on the attack, then it distorts the signal less. There you go. So, uh, yeah, so if you do, that's just how the components work. It just distorts the signal if the attack, because it's a very fast FET compressor. So if it's at the fastest release in attack settings, I don't think you have to worry about that as much for like VCA compressors like SSLG bus or anything like that. But for the 1176 yeah. specifically, very fast compressor, sometimes it distorts it. It's really difficult to create very clean, fast attack and release compressors and limiters. Yes, and that's honestly to get, you know, kind of going back to the question, to get a pumping effect it's just getting the right uh, settings between the attack and the release. And that's going to vary from song yeah. to song. The relationship just, between the two. Yes. Just because the, um, and you know, the harder you go on the actual ratio knob, the easier it will be to create a pumping effect because it's smashing things down more. But the relationship between the attack and the release is really where you're going to find the trick to making things pump. And it just matters from song to song because it's going to depend on the speed of the song, how quick the transients are coming between each other, how quick notes are coming between each other. And, um, you know, so like DK said, sometimes people will match milliseconds to the the uh, tempo of the song to make sure there isn't any pumping or things like that. But that's basically kind of my thoughts on pumping compression and compression and mastering in a nutshell. So there you cool. have it. Cool. And I think that's a great place to end the episode. 
So the challenge today is uh, uh, focus on using your compressors on different sources, and not just vocals, not just drums, but different sources, and really, really try to mess with, do hyper gain reduction, like lots of gain reduction, so it's, it's doing a lot, and mess with the attack and release knob so you can really hear what it's doing. Um, try to get it to pump. Try not to get it to pump. And, and the pumping is easy to do when you do like, if you have like a kick drum heavy song, like a trap song or hip hop song, and then you use like a mix bus compression. Um, and, and do different stems, do different tracks, and then also do it on the mix bus and have different settings with different compressors. They all sound different. Try to get the pumping. Try to avoid the pumping at all costs. Um, and, and pay attention to what that sound like. Again, it's not meant to, don't pay attention to the, how it changes the tone. It's the amplitude. It's the dynamic. So it's, yes. it's, you have to listen to it differently than an EQ. Yep, exactly. And with that, we'll do a little housekeeping. Make sure you subscribe to youtube.com forward slash DK Mixes for more content. You can watch DK's live streams, twitch.tv forward slash DK Mixes, Friday mornings, Pacific Standard Time for Mix Feedback Friday. Those VODs also go onto YouTube. So again, subscribe there. And for other cool and free and helpful content, links.dkmixes.com. So we'll wrap the episode up there. DK, sign us off. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Thank you.